dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, Champions League teams down to 16 and Premier League match days up to 17. Back in Australia where there was some wild weather and it was raining goals in Brisbane and Sydney, but some even darker clouds are starting to form over some of the dressing rooms. And brain fades and storm outs, and that was just Southern Expansion's social media team. Uh, I'm Colby and I'm joined today for the second week on The Bounce by Jesse Farmer. Mate, uh, your appearance record's really influencing the Knicks' performances. Yeah, it's great to be back and great to see the New Zealand teams uh, getting up at the moment. Oh, it's all happening. Uh, and returning to more than a game after all the pump-ups and misinformed opinions we were throwing around about Chelsea last week, and he knows how to spot a Cypriot Messi. It's George. How are you, mate? Good to be back, and I was just a bit concerned that Liverpool were going too well, so I thought I'd come in and too just much try Liverpool and, chat. You just have to try and break out. it up a little bit, yeah. So Fair enough. Been Fair called enough. in. Understand. Uh, boys, massive week of football on and off the pitch this week. Uh, let's jump straight into our moments of the week. Uh, what stood out for you, George? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to roll back a few days to uh, the Barcelona-Tottenham Champions League tie. And Usman Dembele's goal was absolutely incredible. So he, he picks it up in his own half following a, a bit of a shake, shaky header back from Musa Sissoko to, I think it was, um, Kyle Walker-Peters. And uh, picks the ball up. Uh, in his own half and just absolutely turns on the afterburners, charges down the field, puts Harry Winks on his behind, does a couple of other little shimmies and then just drills it in. So it was an amazing goal. And it's, I think, one of the only goals in from this season that I've, I've watched over 10 times is it's that electric. And it just shows how good the guy can be when he turns up to training. Well, he's got a lot of energy, I was going <laughs> yeah. to say, from not training, doesn't well, he? He's got a lot, of, when lot of energy in. It helps when you get a, a bit of an extra, extra hour, a couple hours kip, you know. So it's obviously... He's obviously uh, got some serious potential and um, it's up to Barca to kind of nurture him, but it looks like he's, he can do the business when he has to. So that was my moment of the week. Absolutely stunning. PlayStation stuff. He had some uh, some notos or something. He took on the Jets. And, uh, you know, I think in previous podcasts, more than the game, listeners will be familiar with the adjectives uh, tasty and delicious. And uh, that's how I describe that goal. Some of our favourites. Uh, what about you, Jesse? Moment of the week? Um, you know, purely from an unbiased perspective, probably Ellison's... Um, <laughs> Ellison save, I mean, yeah. Oh, what a surprise, well, well, what a I surprise. Mean, Mate, we did put out a poll on more than a game uh, on the social media and uh, t- it turns out that not, not a lot of people uh, agree with you there. It turns out a lot of people think it was a bit of a fluke. Well, I mean, uh, my answer to those uh, those guys, to the haters, um, would probably be, uh, you know, that save was the, was the difference between them uh, continuing in the Champions League or going out to uh, Eastern Ukraine on a Thursday night. So, clutch. Uh, I'd say it's pretty clutch. Um, clutch. My you, could, other- you could almost say... It, it might have been an own goal from uh, Milik uh, with that finish. Really spilt the Milik. Yeah. He did. <laughs> no, use, no use crying over it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, my other one would be the IX Bayern and Young Boys results, but we'll get to those later. We will certainly get to those. Uh, so my moment of the week this week was actually the new FFA board, and I think it's the first time in more than a game podcast history uh, that uh, the FFA board uh, actually getting um, a shout out in moment of the week. Well, it's a new board, so maybe maybe that's why it's a trending uh, trending in a positive direction. <laughs> so uh, after an incredibly drawn out process, that's I reckon probably about five years too late. Um, 
the Steve Lowyless FFA board have delivered uh, on their first promise, which was to make expanding the A-League a priority. Um, so West Melbourne uh, are going to come in next season uh, and the following season, uh, MacArthur Southwest Sydney uh, will come in after apparently giving Western Sydney Wanderers a year of clear air to bed into their new stadium. Uh, so, so yeah, somewhat controversially, but somewhat controversially. So yeah, it's a, it's a positive um, that the new chair, uh, Chris Niku, was very quick to state this isn't the end for expansion, um, and the goal was to move to fourteen teams eventually, which everyone seemed to say seemed to be suggesting is the optimal number at the moment. Um, so that's great. Yeah, boys, what was what were your thoughts on the uh, the expansion announcement? Well, I think we were talking about it earlier, but I, I always had the impression that they were going to go where the where the most people were. So it was going to be in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, I, I was personally a little surprised that um, it wasn't the Team 11 bid in Melbourne. Um, but listening to all the noises coming out of the FFA and, and various sort of media outlets, it, it seemed like they weren't able to sort of tick the financial security box. I think they were relying a lot on government funding, whereas the Western Melbourne bid has some serious money behind it, has some clout. They're going to build their own stadium. They, they've said they're you know almost ready to start it, um, despite going to be playing in Geelong for... I think a couple of seasons, but they seem like they're ready to go. So uh, I guess you know they, they were probably ticking every box that the FFA needed, and and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing um, seeing what they come up with because I know a couple of people who are involved in in the bid, and and you know they're serious football people. So get out to Geelong for a couple of games, George. Oh, maybe yeah, get get out there. <laughs> maybe when they play away yeah. at, in Melbourne, <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> but um, no, no, I'm, I'm looking. It's pretty exciting to actually have a team next year, and I think that's the one thing that I was really, really supportive of. Yeah, you just didn't want another delay, right? I don't think mm. I don't think people could wait another couple of years for for two new teams, and if one team was almost ready to, you know, very, very, very confident that they could sort of get five ready. years like i was saying it's sort of five years or so later than it really should have been anyway they really needed to peak and um you know get in on the back of that uh alessandro del piero shingiono high watermark uh, i think a lot of people consider that the high watermark of the a-league so far they really needed to ride that wave rather than wait for it to sort of stagnate before well, actually yeah. taking action i guess they got burned a couple of times so they were a little bit hesitant <laughs> so yeah, yeah right. i mean it's it's good that we've got something going for next season and a bit of excitement a bit of buzz yeah yeah i mean and you'd rather you know Know, there's a lot of people sort of on on soccer Twitter in particular talking about the market cannibalization you know with new teams being brought in for Sydney and Melbourne but look I mean the NRL have eight clubs in Greater Sydney and the AFL have nine in Melbourne and the, the Premier League in, in a 20 team comp has 10 coming out of London Manchester and Liverpool like I think you know three teams in Sydney and Melbourne is mm. a strong base and we're not talking is, is not not such a bad thing it's and we're, not, we're yeah. not talking about you know every team averaging 30,000 sort of people at every single game, you know. I mean, at the moment, we'd probably be happy with a 10, a tenner for every yeah. every team in their home home ground. So I think I think that argument, you know, washes away a little bit given that they've chosen to stick with the highest populated sort of cities. It's like you said before, they're trying to avoid another North Queensland situation, right? So they're trying yeah. to look long-term. Yeah, well, even Brisbane are only averaging 10K at the moment um, and, you know, struggling to get that on, on certain certain fixtures. So, um, yeah, to suggest that there should be a team in Tassie, I think I heard a couple of times. I mean, it, yeah, it's an, like it's nice in theory, but it just it doesn't check out. Um, and that, that, I guess, takes us on uh, a little bit to uh, my own goal this week, uh, still on the subject of uh, the expansion. It was the uh, Southern Expansion Dummy Spit. Uh, so Southern Expansion were one of the bids who were an early front runner in the process, despite Sydney and others um, sort of protesting about it being in their catchment area. Um, but so it wasn't successful this time, um, and 
despite some other unsuccessful bids like South Melbourne and Canberra and Team 11 sort of saying, oh, you know, we'll go again and, you know, thanks for the opportunity. We'll work with the FFA, etc. cetera. Uh, Fozzie's Southern Expansion uh, handled this a little differently, putting out a statement basically accusing the FFA of ignoring their own metrics and a compelling bid and, and basically inferring that not awarding them a spot in the A-League sort of somehow tarnishes Les Murray's legacy, who was one of the early chairmen of Southern Expansion. It's, it's just a bit of a joke. And then... To make matters worse, uh, in an even saltier move, they deleted their Twitter and Facebook accounts. Uh, it was just laughable. Oh, rest in peace, Southern Expansion. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See ya. I uh, mean, that must be surely stepping on a few toes of the Laszlo's urge. Oh, um, it look, it does not fly with our Laszlo's <laughs> urge Monday night, five-a-side team, that's for sure. <laughs> one thing one thing that's holding up uh, Laszlo's legacy very well. Uh, yeah, Jesse, what was your uh, own goal? Uh, mine was Thomas Muller's uh, challenge on Tagliafico, and we will um, talk about that game later, but yeah, just a horrendous challenge, a really, really high foot, and as I said a little early before the podcast, um, Tagliafico only avoided serious damage by turning his head away. It was a shocker. Yeah, Karate was, kick. Mm. Slatan would have been very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. that was my own goal for the week. George? Um, yep, yeah, uh, my own goal was... Uh, uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers in, in general, but in particular, <laughs> veteran Janjenovic, uh, his brain fade last night. I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, they're winning 1-0 in a, in a very wet, and um, and they're playing quite well in, in the Sydney derby. Um, and there's a ball sort of gets sprayed out to the wing, and Janjenovic charges out, jumps, and he there was a defender there as well, jumps into his own defender's back, so his defender falls over. Um, I think it was um, Lafondra picks the ball up, and tries to sort of shoot from outside the box and Janjetovic manages to sort of recover and dives in the air and punches the ball um, punches the ball uh, away uh, but he was actually outside his own yeah, box. It was so, like not a bad save yeah, you're a metre outside your 18 yard didn't box. realise where he was. I thought maybe yeah he, he sort of a giant brain fade and obviously the, the VAR even checked it and he was clearly outside the box and it was a straight he red. How by about a metre? <laughs> um, yeah and then and so he, he's sort of surprised he walks off so he walks off, gets the red card, and then Marcus Bubble takes off their uh, their their number ten, um, their best player, and he was Bam Johan. Bam Johan, that's right. And uh, he was pulling the strings for them and having a great game. He gets dragged, and um, lo and behold, they they cop two goals, and and it's good night. So I can't, I can't believe they took off the A League's James James Madison. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, they were talking this guy up last week, George. <laughs> Jess and I were remarking on the podcast that he's uh, uh, Brenton Speed and, and others from Fox Sport commentary team's favourite player. He, he can do no wrong, bum well, your hand. He, there, there were pictures of him uh, sitting in the sheds uh, with a towel just over his head. He was not happy, <laughs> so be, watch this space for them. But yeah, Janjetovic, um no no need to come out and do that. And cooked it. Very strange, very strange. And the final group stage of the Champions League got underway uh, midweek, boys. Um, we'll just whip through a couple of these, a couple of the interesting and live fixtures still where there was something to play for. First one, uh, Wednesday morning in Group C, Liverpool-Napoli. Uh, nervy result, but it didn't need to be, did it? Uh, Liverpool had so many chances, could have easily won this game by 3 or 4 nil. Uh, and now Liverpool will go through to the knockouts in Pot B. Uh, Jesse, what did you think about this game? I think uh, Mane, you know, 
either he's just had a shocker with his uh, finishing or he's just a tactical genius. Uh, I think he realized there were minutes that needed to be chewed up on the, on the clock and, <laughs> and he thought, well, if I miss as many as I can, you know, that's not going to be time added on at the end. So great work by Mane there. But um, He had some mates as well. <laughs> it wasn't just Mane. <laughs> yeah, no, some, some really questionable finishing. They made plenty of opportunities, but um, yeah, the Allison save already mentioned earlier sort of uh, was probably the most notable thing. You always got that feeling that Napoli... knew something was coming in yeah. that final 20 minutes of the game, yeah. especially when Liverpool missed those chances you just felt like yeah, Napoli feeling, are going to yeah. get a good chance here and 1-0 very dangerous score oh, yeah. well because if they cop that goal they would have needed to win three which which at that stage no of the match would have been impossible yeah. Uh, so yeah Liverpool I mean they, they deserve to win that um, they had more of the chances they controlled the game it should have been more comfortable than it was a um, couple of other things stood out um, to me about the game um, one was Liverpool looked to be back at their best sort of pressing game I thought um, they were winning balls in the final third um, and just yeah, just just pressing all over the park and back to that four three three formation, which you know just allows them to just be all over the place rather than the four two three one that we see Klopp sometimes play in the Premier League. Um, another 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 couple of things. Um, it was it was all about the defenders in this game. I thought I thought Virgil Van Dijk and Robertson had an amazing game, but I actually thought Koulibaly from mm-hmm. Napoli was absolutely yeah, he immense. was incredible. Except obviously when Salah got round him, but mm, yeah. apart from that, he, the amount of interceptions and blocks, yeah. and I was so impressed with him. And I, and and not surprised that man, you were sniffing around. Well, they should they should pay whatever. They need to to get him because he, I reckon, he's one of the best centre backs in the world. He's he's outstanding. And but Napoli are notoriously difficult to negotiate with in terms yeah. of transfers. Yeah, right? like uh, the Cavani deal and the um, who who else was one of their other centre forwards? They um they held someone to ransom. Higuain, I think. Higuain, they yeah, held people to ransom. They're pretty over. good. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But they've done very well. Um, and yeah, credit to to Salah for actually getting get, managing to stick it in the net. Um get around him it was a good little finish um, yeah I mean Koulibaly was doing two people's jobs I thought the whole night he was covering for Rui for, for half the night yeah, as well. no, so they, they were pretty pretty exposed Rui could have done whatever he wanted because like Koulibaly was just there anyway R- like, Rui did do whatever he wanted <laughs> yeah no sorry yeah didn't, didn't think he was playing in defence from what I saw but yeah, so I mean, Liverpool um, obviously got a great record at Anfield um, in, in European matches. I think they've won like 18 in a row. Um, but it's going to be a lot harder going for the next couple of games because um, they've got a bit of a defensive crisis now with, with Matip injured again and having to undergo surgery. He's going to be out for six weeks. Um, Gomez is still out. And I think Trent Alexander-Arnold might have a knock as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse, yep. how do you see this playing out? Well, they're, they're trying to decide for this Man United game whether or not they put Fabinho or, in the um, back line. or Milner mm. at right back. And I think they're probably going to say Milner mm. just because he's played there recently. So, yeah, a lot of um, a lot of pressure on the squad now to deliver. Especially now they're on top of the league as well. So. Top of the league, well, yeah. They were. They oh, were until this morning. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been knocked off for now. For now. Um, next up in Group C on Wednesday morning... Uh, Milos Degenak's Red Star Belgrade uh, hosted PSG, Jesse. They did, and um, they actually did well to get back in the game. Um, Mbappe put a great um, ball on the plate for Cavani uh, in the ninth minute. You know, 39th Neymar scores to send uh, Tommy uh, Tommy Close and his Brazilian family into dreamland. And <laughs> then uh, in the second half, Kovojevic from, um, from Red Star did a nice volley to get them back in it. But um, yeah, um, P- um, PSG did a really good job to kill that game off. Um, Marquinhos scored a towering header and then in the last minute Mbappe nutmegged the keeper so 
um, yeah, they ended up comfortably winning 4-1. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a very tricky place to go and play. Not an easy fixture as, um, as Napoli and Liverpool both showed as well. So, uh, yeah, good. PSG, I think, deserving winners of Group C. And they'll go through, obviously, seeded into the round of uh, 16, uh, the draw, which gets underway tomorrow. And we might just have a little bit of a chat about that at the end of this. But, um, yeah, na- uh, PSG, uh, well-deserved winners of Group C. Group B, uh, George, Barcelona and Spurs. What happened in this one? It was a pretty exciting game given Barcelona had already qualified. I thought, um, I think we mentioned earlier about Dembele's goal. So Barcelona took the lead and, and were playing very well um, in the first half, I think. They had, uh, Coutinho had a couple of chances, hit the post as well. So Spurs were a bit under the pump. And uh, second half, I think Barcelona took their foot off the gas a little bit. Uh, Messi obviously didn't start. He came on, but um, Spurs sort of piled on the pressure in the second half, and and a you know a Harry Kane cross to Lucas Moura managed to to sort of score in 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 and around the 80th odd minute, and um, Spurs were very happy to take the the one one and uh, get the point given the uh, given the result um, given the result uh, in yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, I think that was the the key takeaway for Spurs. Really, I mean, they 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 did what they had to do in the end. They've qualified. I think they were the second best team in the group overall. Yeah. And we're pretty unlucky in a couple of other games. So, uh, overall, they would be happy. And I think they were just pretty lucky. Barcelona just waved them in. Well, I mean, the second... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, as I said, it's always difficult when, you know, you don't have anything to play for. But credit to Barcelona because their first half was pretty good and they showed what they can do. Um, but, um, yeah, again, credit to Spurs for hanging in there, keep uh, uh, fighting and uh, getting the goal that they, they needed to. Yeah, good good to see a bit of backbone from Spurs, particularly in Europe, which they haven't shown over the past couple of years. So um, hopefully um, the draw is kind to them. But um, yeah, they, they, they it's going to be a battle for them going forward. Um, yeah, so Inter, you'd have to say, uh, in Group B, uh, really shut the bed at home against the bottom team in the comp, PSV, and they could only manage a draw. In fact, they almost lost against PSV Um so, sexy Sainsbury's yeah, big uh, game from Trent, the Great Wall of Sainsbury, starting starting in the Champions <laughs> League, almost shutting Inter out. Uh, PSV went up early uh, with Chucky Lozano, um, but and and uh, PSV would hold on until the seventy third minute, where Nicardi would equalise for Inter. Um, so. Uh, after a long time away from the Champions League, uh, just wasn't to be for Inter to go forward anymore. But still, good signs for them. I'd say they just need a little bit, a uh, little bit more gumption. I think to get those. You'd think get they'd those be pretty flat. Yeah, yeah, I mean they, they had it on a plate, mm. and I guess they just didn't turn up when they had to. And yeah, they'd be pretty disappointed. Uh, moving on to Group E, um, Ajax and Bayern. This is probably one of the most entertaining games of the round, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, I did a quick wrap up for it because there was just there was just so much that happened. I was uh, I was having to go into fast forward to try and keep up, but um, yeah, we, and it began pretty uh, pretty quickly. Lewandowski scored in the twelfth minute um, in acres of space. It was quite bizarre. He just tapped the ball in, and I think everyone expected him to be offside. But yeah, really poor marking um, there. But then everything else happened in the second half. So the the game was sort of uh, meandering along, and then Tadic scored in the sixtieth minute. Um, a great ball was fizzed across the face of goal and he tapped it in and then came the red card. So you had a red card in the, the uh, 66th minute. Um, I think it's Vuber uh, t- took out Goretzka and um, that was, yeah, I mean, it was just pretty um, pretty cynical over the sideline and right in front of the, the managers and the referees. So he was off and uh, then this followed, as I mentioned earlier, in the 74th minute. Um, Muller's horrific challenge on Tagliafico. There's just no choice for the ref either. So um, he was marched off. 
But then more goals were to come. So yeah, Dolberg in the 80th minute was taken down by Borting, which was a, a really silly challenge he slid in. Um, Tadic takes the penalty, Neuer doesn't even move, and all of a sudden it's game on again. 85th minute, uh, Bayern respond with Thiago um, trying to walk through a few people in the box. He gets brought down and Lewandowski scores. And just when you think um, it's going to end up being a draw, Kalman um, goes back, oh, sorry, Komen. <laughs> um, Komen goes back down and pounces on a sloppy pass and curls it into the bottom right corner. So it looked like that was going to be the last goal of the game. And there was another own goal at the end. I've forgotten the Bayern's um, defender's name, but he put it back into his own net. So it ended up being a 3-3 draw. Um, yeah, I was completely uh, blown away by how many goals were in this game. And considering it was actually just a playoff to see who would finish first in the group, it was very, very exciting. It'll be interesting to see where the, the seedings go and how important that result is because, it, you know, depend on who you, who you run into in the next mm. round. So And great determination from Ajax as well. Um, they're, they're looking the best that I've seen an Ajax team in the past couple of years, I would say. Um, a lot of a lot of young guys who are looking like they're just, just about sort of peaking. Um, I mean... I probably probably buy Casper Dolberg every season on FIFA career mode. Uh, he's been a, he's been a gem for for quite a while, but he's he's looking uh, pretty tidy as well, pretty handy. Um, yeah, real real cat amongst the pigeons in the round of sixteen. I think Ajax could be dark horse. Mm. <laughs> Group H um, <clears throat> started off with uh, young boys and Juventus. Uh, so not the result Juve would have wanted a away bit, to young boys. Yeah, a bit of a surprise there, but I've just got to, I've just I sort of pulled up the stats from that game, and if you, if you want some indication of, of how it went, but basically Juve were two 0 down, but at the end of the game Juve have come out with twenty five shots to nine, you know, sixty percent possession. So it just looked like they had a had a bit of a bad day. I think crazy. Um, yeah, so they, they it wouldn't matter anyway because United uh, shut the bed at home to Valencia. Um, but we've got some we've got some thoughts on that. Uh, we've got a voicemail from Andy Corbinitas. We'll have a listen to that now. So the final round of Champions League fixtures took place in Group H with Juventus going away to Bern to play Young Boys and Manchester United away at Valencia. Both supposedly bigger clubs lost their games. 2-1, which was probably the only good news for Juventus because it meant they retained their two-point differential to top the group. That said, they cannot be pleased to be a major part of history for the young boys of Bern, who scored two goals in a Champions League fixture for the first time and won their first ever group stage game. I do, however, feel a little bit bad for Paolo Dybala. You may remember he scored a hat-trick against Young Boys in Turin, and he'd only been on the pitch for about five minutes, the, that is the frozen and waterlogged pitch, when he caught a great strike on the half volley to bring the game back to 2-1. He would have had the equaliser late on, but it was ruled out for an offside. Cristiano Ronaldo was judged to have been in an offside position and interfering with the keeper's line of sight. Unlikely, however, that anyone was getting to that laser beam to the top corner, but that is a debate for another day. Juventus, however, really only have themselves to blame. Uh, Mandzukic and Ronaldo had many, many attempts but just weren't quite clicking. Bernadeschi and Douglas Costa, uh, both back in the side and, however, looking a little bit rusty. Looking like guys haven't played for a few months, which evidently is the case. Uh, most disappointing for me, though, was Miralem Pjanic, who was uncharacteristically inaccurate. Uh, he had a few more comments after the match about the pitch and the state of it, but to be honest, he couldn't pass wind on that day. Uh, that said, Juventus probably looking ahead to their uh, game this week against uh, Torino, the Derby della Mole, which they just won actually about half an hour ago with Ronaldo netting a penalty late on. Next up for them is Roma, 
But in the meantime, they will look keenly ahead to Monday's Champions League draw, and I wonder who they will get. Thanks for that, Andy. Uh, and if you ever want to send us your thoughts on a match, send us a voice memo uh, via a message on Facebook or private message uh, on the More Than A Game Twitter feed. Uh, we'll give you a shout-out on the show uh, if it was as entertaining as uh, Andy's uh, recap uh, for the Juventus game there. Boys, what did you make of Andy's assessment? Seems like he'd had excuse? some time to cool yeah. down. Yeah. Ex- no, he's making a few excuses. I feel like the pitch came up quite a few times. Mm, yep, yep. I mean, the pitch is artificial, right? We can confirm it's artificial, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I think so. From what, from what I, yeah, from what I gather. So, I mean, you know, artificial can get waterlogged, but I mean, only to a certain extent, boys. It's like Juventus' fans, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manchester United, Valencia. Uh, so Manchester United would also drop the ball here. Um, Sole would open the scoring for Valencia after a ball found him favourably inside the 18-yard box, which he slotted away. He doesn't score many goals, uh, Sole. Um, and then uh, Phil Jones would double Valencia's lead in the 47th I've minute. I've just got to say, Phil was very close to being my own goal. Like, this was ve- <laughs> I think he was a lot of people's <laughs> own goal this week. I mean, there's that stat that's just going around about Phil Jones um, being that he was United's first player, uh, the first player to score an own goal in the Champions League match since Phil Jones in 2011. So he's just, just Phil Jones just, just doing updating, Phil Jones he's things. He's just updating yeah. the, uh, the stat sheet, I think. So. Updating the record. I mean, this may be a little harsh, but I feel like football has kind of moved on from Phil Jones and Phil Jones is sort of, you know, hanging on. Yeah. That'd be a fair assessment. Well, he's not even like giving. He's not even doing wild haircuts or weird facial expressions anymore. He doesn't even really no have pop culture going for him anymore. So, uh, yeah, no, don't don't know um, if he'll have too much longer left at United. But other United fans may have a different view. Uh, let us know if you do. Um, so this game would uh, really only change when Rashford and Lingard came on. Um, but before that, Manchester United, I thought, looked sloppy with their passing. Very flat. Particularly, very flat particularly Pogba and Fred in the midfield. Fred, a rare outing for United. Both of them could barely string a pass together and just looked a, much more off the pace. And, and they would have been made to pay if Batshuayi didn't put away a few big chances that he had as well. So um, Manchester United will limp into the round of 16 um, in, in, in second spot to Juventus. So nothing, nothing changes there um, from the status quo going into the game. Do you think Marino has um, um, a way to remember his midfield combinations? Because, you know, obviously he tinkers a little bit. Do you think, you know, if he has Fred and Pogba at the same time, he calls them Frogba? And, uh, and the like. I mean, I just, I'm just i trying to think of Mourinho's way of actually being able to pick his team each week because it's different every week, isn't it? I think he just gets the dartboard out, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. His back line is, is just as bad, I thought. So uh, he doesn't, doesn't know who he wants to play. Um, and, and we don't know who is going to be playing who uh, in the round of 16. Boys, tomorrow night, Monday night, uh, the draw for the round of 16 will take place. So those games will take place in mid-Feb and then early March. So the way it obviously works uh, for the listeners is the group winners are seeded and then take on the group runners-up. Um, teams can't face opposition from their own league or opposition that they've faced in the group stages. Um, this means, and I'll, I'll just call out a couple of sort of likely combos or, or, or possible combos, I suppose. Um, so Barcelona could get uh, Liverpool, Schalke, Ajax, Leon, Roma, or United. I think they'd feel pretty comfortable about most of those. Most of those, yeah, yeah. with the exception of maybe Liverpool in the sort of form they're in, um, home and away. Um, Liverpool, on the other hand, uh, could end up with Dortmund, Barcelona, Porto, uh, Bayern, Real Madrid, or Juventus. Who would you want, Jesse? Uh, I think a lot of Liverpool fans are saying Porto, but um, it's not like not very likely that we're going to get Porto yeah, though. And Porto, actually, to be fair, are doing very, very well in the Portuguese competition this year and 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 are winning away from home as well. So 
uh, I don't know, maybe Bayern actually. To be honest, um, it's a good I've time got to say play. that the yeah Bayern potentially uh, the sort of as opposed to Dortmund, uh, I, I, would, I would take. Bayern. I'd rather I'd rather face Bayern than Dortmund at this yeah, point. Dortmund and the, and the other team that could be potentially a, a little bit um, soft at the moment, the way they're playing, is Real Madrid. I actually wouldn't be too unhappy with a uh, a, a grand final rematch uh, in the round of sixteen. Yeah, Bob, I mean, the the only issue I see with Real Madrid is. I mean, if they turn up, they're, they're hard to beat. They just haven't been turning up, but they're Champions League specialists, I guess. Yeah, they are, but um, they, they normally only turn it on a little bit later. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how they're looking in, in February, March. I guess there's a little while to go before those matches are actually taking place. So, you know, form lines could change um, between now and then. Also, uh, transfer window yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, Real Madrid could have a, a striker who could score goals by then. Uh, word is they're looking at Icardi, among others, so... Um, looks like they'll they'll be definitely looking to go to the the transfer market in January. A um, couple of others uh, favourites, uh, Manchester City, uh, look like they could get Atleti, Schalke, Ajax, or Roma. So you'd think they'll put just about anyone there away. Um, Atletico would be interesting though. It'd be very interesting. Um, yeah, defense defense against attack, I suppose. Um, and United could get Dortmund, Barcelona, PSG, Porto, Bayern, or Real Madrid. Do you see Bayern going? Uh, do you see uh, Manchester United going through the round of sixteen against any of those? Current on current form, no. But it's it's quite quite a while away, and I, and I actually think, depending on where they're sitting in the uh, Premier League race, if they're nowhere near the top four, then Mourinho might just throw all the eggs in the Champions League basket yeah. and see what he can do. Cause well, it's it, no Europa League, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see. I agree. I think he's I he think is he, a bit of a European specialist, though. Yeah, you have to say he's got a got a brilliant record in Europe. Especially when his back's against the wall, so mm. which coming cr- towards Christmas, he um, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. So I agree. I think he's going to go all out in Europe. All right, then why don't we roll on to the Premier League uh, match day seventeen? Um, we've had uh, a couple of matches take place um, overnight, uh, starting with uh, Manchester City Everton. Jesse, that's right. Uh, Man- Manchester City uh, got the win uh, in the end. Uh, Everton uh, did score a goal later on, but it was actually a, a pretty pretty dominant display um it was the Leroy Sané assist assist show he, he gave Jesus an assist in the 22nd uh, minute uh, again to the same um same combination in the 50th minute a chipped cross from Leroy Sané and, and Jesus scored again and then you've got uh, Calvert-Lewin popped up um in the 65th minute to score um with a nice uh, nice header in but uh I guess just showing uh, what a champion team City are, um, you know, four minutes after Everton's equalised, they um, put the nail in with Fernandinho setting up Sterling, uh, Sterling for the goal and he uh, um, put them up from point blank. So, I don't know, I think I think with City, they just they just keep finding a way to sort of not only dispatch teams, but sort of if they are under the pump, get away. So I have to say it was pretty impressive because Everton... Uh, Everton, you don't really know who's going to turn up with Everton at the moment, but when they do turn up, they can be pretty resilient. Yeah, I thought Everton actually started okay, and I, I just thought they needed to hang on a, a little bit longer. I think I think Gary Mina, he's a very good defender, but he got sort of caught out a couple of times clearing the ball straight to Man City players who just hit them on the on the break, and that's how the first one went in. So I think once once they were down a goal, it was always going to be tough. But um, I do like the look of Everton, and I think they're, they're going to be a good team. Great squad. Yeah. And Andre Gomez is is he's a serious player. Excellent, excellent on the ball. Distribution's great. So I think they're they're they're, they're strong, but um, just maybe potentially need need sort of Richarlison to to score every week, or because I, I think I think that that's where they're kind of lacking. Um, mm. 
they've got a, a pretty good squad. But again, that that goal scorer, they need someone. You know, throw Aguero in Everton's team, and you know they're knocking on the door to win the title. So he um he had a good chance for Charleston as well, which he um on the volley just blew. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, that would have changed changed the game as well uh, as well. So yeah, that's what I'm. Uh, but um yeah, good good win for from City and. Uh, you know, they, they certainly can rotate the squad, so... <laughs> it's just ridiculous, that and squad. scary to see uh, Gabriel Jesus back in a bit of form as well because he was one of the only players from City that you'd say is probably not in form. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the, right. But now, now he's back in form. It's sort of like you look at that team and you go, well, who, who don't I want? Who's the weak link there? And, and you struggle to point to anyone. Even Delph looks amazing under Guardiola. That's right. Yeah, so... Transformed pre- left back. Yeah, so pressure on Liverpool now. Um but yeah, Sane, as you say, Jesse was just immense. He's he's got um, seven assists from his ten starts this season, um, and I think yeah, he's, he'd be almost leading league for assists at the moment. This, this is Leroy Sane. They didn't go to the World Cup in Russia. Yeah, so. that's it. It's not good enough to make that German squad. So <laughs> yeah, we've had a uh, just on on City. Um, we've got a bit of a rumor mill uh, voicemail uh, from Andy again. He's clearly been very busy um, sending us. Has he been spending a bit of time in Manchester or something? He's he's got his ear to the ground uh, over in the London office. Um, and uh, got a got a transfer rumor for us uh, from a Manchester City legend. Ah, do you hear that? The sweet, sweet sound of the transfer rumor mill. Well, here it is. Word on the street is that Yaya Toure could be on his way back to the EPL. Now he signed for Greek side Olympiakos in September, but he's returned to London after just three months and his contract has been terminated. Now there hasn't been an official statement as to why the Olympiakos deal fell through, but it is suspected, and perhaps unsurprisingly, that it might just have had something to do with a rather large pay-as-you-play bonus scheme and the club slash economy's financial restrictions. Maybe we could see him at a London club. A reunion with Pellegrini? Perhaps he'd meet up with Claudio at Fulham. Or maybe, just maybe, his brother spoke so highly of his time at Anfield that he could be drawn there. Although, I don't think many people remember Colo's spell particularly fondly, except perhaps a few Chelsea forwards. But that was another time, and how things have changed. Yeah, what do you make of that, boys? Uh, I'd say maybe uh, Torre to West Ham. Bit cool here. West Ham, yeah. Could make sense. Uh, when was the last time Yaya actually played? Does he remember how to play football? <laughs> yeah, I think there's some serious issues if he couldn't fire in Greece. I actually don't know who would be slower out of him or Mark Noble. Like, I'd probably have Mark Noble over him at the moment, I'm sorry to say. Well, maybe we Chelsea can give him the number nine shirt, and we can swap out Murata for Yaya, and just get him to fire some bullets in um, up front. You I don't as, know. You may as well, to be honest. It really reads like a, a short stint at West Ham, and then straight to the Chinese Super League. Yeah, I thought he would have been there. I thought he was there already. To be honest, I didn't even know he was in Greece. Uh, moving on, then uh, Crystal Palace uh, were at home against Leicester, uh, and they got up one nil. George. Yeah, it was a. It was a. The, the goal that broke this game was from Milivojevic, and it, and to everyone's and it wasn't surprise, a it was not a penalty. <laughs> so he was actually quite a quite a distance outside the box, and and fired it into the you know the bottom sort of mid range left left side of the the keeper's goal there, and it was it was quite an, an excellent finish. Now um, that was in the first half. So the second half, Leicester kind of changed things a little bit, um, bringing Andre Gray on and and taking 
pod darling uh, Madison, James Madison off actually. So um, Gray played down the middle uh, with Vardy, Vardy up front and they looked a lot more threatening. They had a couple of chances. They peppered the goal. I think Vardy had one off the post. Um, but um, at the end of the day, Palace hung on and, and this was a Zaha-less Palace. So um, it, it's not often... Terrible record without Zaha. That's, that's right. Yeah. So um, they, they managed to hang on. It's a big three points. Um mm. And yeah, do, doing the business without Zaha was was a good effort. But on balance, they didn't have a they didn't they didn't really have a lot of other chances. So I think Leicester would be disappointed. But um, Palace were able to hang on in the end. That Vardy chance uh, that was just desperately unlucky. It hit the hit the post and bounced back into the keeper, and Vardy was just fuming. Yeah, so, so you just you just can't believe your luck. Sometimes it's not your day, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not your right. day. But um, yeah, well, well, well played to to Palace, I guess, managing to. To find a goal out of nothing. Yeah, and um, and Leicester in their five-a-side quality away strip, it was uh, just a bit of a joke. I, I still see that strip and I just, like, we, I, I swear we play like a team at five-a-side who wear that strip just without the sponsor on it. It's just like a stock standard. You get it off your, off the shelf at Rebel. Yeah. Like, just kick crimes. Tell you what. Uh, Wolves and Bournemouth, uh, Jesse, um, at the Molyneux. Yeah, Portugal B versus Bournemouth, uh, sensational, uh, <laughs> sensational game. I guess if you were a Wolves fan, it was um, it was a uh, pretty bizarre first goal. Daniels, uh, Charlie Daniels had a, a bit of a shocker and just passed it straight across the midfield. And um, uh, Diego Jota ran all the way into the goal. It looked like he had a shot. I think he'll claim it was a pass, but he was off it. celebrating uh, <laughs> the assist. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, yeah, it fell right to the path of... Um, uh, Hermanith, who was in my uh, fantasy team, so that was great times. Um, but uh, apart from that, there wasn't a huge amount of action. I mean, Patricio um, made a save off Lerma um, later on, which was, again, pretty comfortable save. Um, but then uh, in the second half, uh, Wolves started to turn the heat up. Um, Gibbs White put Costa through, um, and he fluffed a really good chance to um, to put them up 2-0. Um, Wilson uh, and, and Bournemouth started to come back into the game a little bit more. Um, he had his shot blocked off the half turn. Um, Helda Costa was uh, testing uh, Begovic late on, but uh, the uh, the second goal came in the 90th minute. It was a delightful through pass from Costa and Cavallaro um, buried it into the top, uh, into the bottom left corner off the counter attack, and that was it. So Wolves three wins in a row. Um, yeah, huge you know, I, for them. I, I like the look of Gibbs White as well. He's very sharp. Looks like a very good very prospect. Good. And first clean sheet for Wolves since round eight as well. So um, they they look to be. Tidying it up a little bit, but um, I don't think Bournemouth are at their best up the front today. Um, I think um, yeah, did um, Callum Wilson you had a half chance, but other than that, I, I, I don't really see that they had too much to go on. Um, Huddersfield, Newcastle then. Uh, Huddersfield um, basically dropped a six-pointer here. Um, brilliant save uh, by Dubravka in the first half um, to deny... Um, Huddersfield after a billing uh, free kick um, but then um, Rondon would just get a goal for Newcastle on the counter a little bit again you'd say a lot against I the think, run yeah, play. Huddersfield actually played quite well yeah they dominated most of this game Huddersfield um, and so you, you, they'd be very very frustrated because these are the kinds of teams that you've got to put away to stay up uh, I think they had, they had like 75% possession or something um, and dominated all of all of the stats without, in the without game. Aaron yeah, dominated Moy, the yeah. game without Aaron Moy as well. Uh, out, out until Feb apparently, convenient timing for the Asian Cup um, with a knee injury. 
allegedly, but... Um, oh, our conspiracy theory. <laughs> the FFA have sent their doctors over to check him out. Apparently, this is a normal thing. I think we should still pick him on one leg, to be honest. I reckon I'll pick Moy on one leg. Uh, he's He uh, leads the league for um, balls won in the final third, him and Mo Salah. Yeah, I mean, all, Seven, the, 17, uh, all, the, specula- all the speculation is starting to become annoying, so uh, oh. should probably move on. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that, that Newcastle goal was actually very slick, I must say. Even though it was against the run of play, it was a, it was a slick goal. It just shows what a quality striker will do for your team, right? Like, uh, that's the difference between Huddersfield and Newcastle, basically, at the moment. Uh, Rondon's a proven striker in the Premier League, and, and uh, Huddersfield have just got a couple of blokes up front who are basically just misfiring this season and, and aren't really cutting it, to be honest. Um, Doesn't bode well for Huddersfield. I think no, they're no. they're so, staring down the barrel. Yeah, so they're they're down in seventeenth now on ten points after that defeat, and Newcastle up to fourteenth on sixteen points. Um, so do we think Huddersfield are going down then? Oh, yeah, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree with uh, with George. I think that's their big undoing. If they are going to go down, it's because of lack of goals. I think I don't think they're they're horrendous on defence. I think their defenders. Um, They've got some decent defenders there, but yeah, gee, attacking prowess is lacking. And now with Moy gone for that busy December, January period, doesn't look good. Not at all. Uh, Spurs, Burnley, George. Yeah. Uh, this game sort of played out as, as sort of how you thought it might play out with the Burnley defending resolutely. Uh, Joe Hart having an absolute blinder. Just save after save after save, and Spurs just knocking knocking on the door. And I think it was the 90th minute. Um, they they had to bring on reinforcements, and one of those was Christian Eriksen. Um, it, and he and he managed to get on the end of uh, Harry Kane pass and just drill it. Um, after n- not through lack of trying from Spurs, and um, I think I think Burnley would be disappointed they couldn't hang on an extra five minutes. But um, gee, Spurs are Spur- the Spurs late comeback. Is it, is it a thing, boys? Yeah, well, they look like they've got a yeah got got that staying power late in games now, don't they? Yeah, and I mean, you, you even saw a, a bit of squad rotation here, and Lorente was you know in, and um, I think yeah they brought Ericsson, I think and Son on as well. So I think they they had to get the result, and 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 they did, and they they're sort of now I think they they're staking a claim for that that third position out on their own. Yeah, and I think uh, it just really shows that how everything in the Premier League is just so finely balanced. I mean, yeah, I mean, they only had a couple of minutes there and that would have been a really disappointing draw for Spurs. So, um, yeah, they really got away with it. And credit to Burnley on the road as well, pushing Spurs that far. Um, I mean, in seasons gone by, we've particularly seen them not great on the road, but we've all, in the in their latest run in the Premier League, we've always known Burnley as being pretty resolute at the back, aside from this season. Um, are they back to that Burnley of old, boys? Are they, are they they're getting there or is this... Um, just a sort of rare good performance and, and they'll be leaking goals uh, from next week. Well, the alarm bells are, are ringing for them already. So um, Spurs, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, they, the bit of squad rotation after the Champions League in the week, so they were probably a bit flat from that. But uh, Burnley are very much sort of, yeah, the alarm bells will be ringing. So I think we'll see probably some improved performances, you'd think, from them in the second half of the season. Watford-Cardiff. Uh, this one was actually just a, a goal fest. Great game. Um <laughs> I should have even led with this one. This was a very entertaining game of football. Uh, so this this finished uh, 3-2 to Watford at home. Um, the first ever top flight meeting between these two sides, uh, just for those 
trivia players at home. Um, let's, have, let's have more. The first, <laughs> the, so the, just every goal in this game, aside from the last goal to Cardiff, was just an absolute worldie. Yeah, the last goal was a Cardiff-type goal, <laughs> last, but apart last, from that... Yeah. last goal was chaos. Um, but, I mean, in the 16th minute, De La Feu just dances through the penalty area and slides it home with Pereira on the dummy down the left-hand side, opening up the space. Very slick. At, at, at risk of making the sound like a Rod Stewart song, De La Feu was really dancing in the rain. And... Um, <laughs> I have to, <laughs> no, I'm holding on to that one for a while. <laughs> Just tried to get that in there, but you got um, a few of these he's sitting on, don't you? I have to say, I mean, you talked about Zimbabwe's goal. I mean, uh, Telefeu just, yes, just walking through defence, just mashing the skill stick. Just how, how are you going? Uh, Fifty second minute, then second half. Pereira would cut one back to Holabas. Uh, on the edge of the 18-yard box, who curled one into the top corner with a fantastic finish. Yeah, lovely left foot. Paul Holobas is just having quite quite a little season here. Pretty filthy with that one because uh, the scout on FPL put him in his fantasy team. And he said he was going to score and he scored, so I ignored the scout and this is what happens. Yeah, ignore the scout at your peril. Uh, 68th minute, uh, new boy uh, Domingos Kina. Um, gets his first Premier League goal. Tommy might be able to tell us a little bit about Keener. I think he might be a West Ham product, um, but uh, not not too sure. Don't know much about him other than he scored a yeah. cracking goal today. Again, with a cut back to the edge of the area. This time, Keener just opens up on his right and just places it in the top right corner. Um, yeah, and then gets gets around all the subs after it. And you had Chalabar on the sideline just getting around him. And um, yeah, you could see what it meant to the team. Um, but then in the 80th minute, Cardiff would have a little bit of a fight back with Hoylett just um, redoing the goal he oh, did a couple of weeks ago. Pace. Yeah, yep. just absolute copy and paste. Um, just runs in from the left, puts it onto his right and curls it, just bends it around. Um, just an amazing finish. If he could do that every second or third week, I think Cardiff might have a shot of staying up. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then in the 82nd minute, just when you uh, didn't think that Cardiff uh, would have a chance at getting back in. It's just chaos in the box. Um, Morrison with a long throw and uh, there's just panic stations as Bobby Reid tries People to jumping up, yeah. back heel one and then just pokes it in. Um, but Watford would survive the scare um, and in the end, a pretty comprehensive performance. It's not quite reflected by the scoreline, but Watford did this quite comfortably aside from that sort of last 10 minutes. Boys, what did you think about this one? Yeah, just goals galore. But good to see Delafeu starting to getting back into it now. He's yeah. out for a while, showing glimpses of what he can do as well. Like the guy who was, um, you know, surprised everyone by going to Barcelona, but then actually doing quite well when he's there. Um, and uh, only showed it in in sort of patches since he's been yeah. back in England. Do Watford uh, now classify as pod darlings again, or have they got some work to do? Oh, look, they've they've got one or two good games before they can reach darling status again. We don't we don't hand that out cheaply here at more than a game. <laughs> Actually, we, we really do. We really do. <laughs> now, now, now Fulham, are, Fulham are well and truly Fulham are dead, dead to us. Absolutely dead to us. Uh, speaking of Fulham, um, they would uh, lose at home to good old West Ham. Tommy sees West Ham uh, continuing their high-flying run in Tommy's absence. Um, I reckon if Tommy stayed away in Brazil, West Ham might have a shot of winning the league uh, the way they're going. Um, and uh, Snodgrass again. Um, yeah. I have a couple of comments on that. Uh, Snod going to lie, he's great on grass. Oh, and uh, we could do a Snodcast on his left foot. Thoughts on that, boys? He's got a good left foot. I'm just not going to touch any of the other stuff. <laughs> not going near that other stuff. No, he's um, he's been involved in five goals in his last four games, so two goals and three assists. And this is after going 16 games without a goal or an assist. Um, so yeah, he's he's really uh, in a bit of an uptick of form. You you definitely say this is championship uh, striker, uh, <laughs> Rob Snodgrass. Yeah, that's that's it. Championship material last year and um, just lighting up the Premier League this year. 
Um, yeah, so the other goals uh, would come uh, from Mitrovic threading a ball through to Kamara, um, who tries to go uh, or who goes uh, one-on-one with Fabianski. Um, and Fabianski is equal to it. So they, they didn't quite get the goal there, but it did come in the 17th minute when Felipe Anderson wins back the ball from Adoy, who I'm surprised is still in the form lineup after the sort of couple of games that he's had. But anyway, Anderson gets it to the byline and cuts it back to your man, Jesse Snodgrass, um, who just puts it into the top corner uh, for a lovely finish. Um, 29th minute, Antonio had a ball fall to him in the box after a Chicharito header. The fish. And he puts it away quite coolly. But I have to say, um, what were Fulham's centre-backs doing there? They just sort of both went to try and cover Chicharito and left Antonio all on his own. Is that dangerous in the box? I know he's not not that dangerous. (laughs) But, I mean, he probably needs a defender somewhere near him. Um, And then literally nothing happened in the second half. It stopped raining for a bit. But, uh, yeah, West West Ham held just sort of did the business in the first half and just walked it in in the second um, but, um, boys, Fulham's back line, it's a problem. Um, I know uh, Jokanovic got a lot of stick for rotating and, and uh, Ranieri's obviously trying to get some semblance of stability into the back line, but it's it's a real, like, particularly Adoy and Reem, it's a real issue. Um, uh, so, uh, Reem was hooked at half-time for Cyrus Christie, who came on and, and looked better, and Adoy moved central, but... I mean, I guess they didn't concede a goal in the second half, but I'm just, I'm, I'm not too sold on this bloke or their entire back line. It's basically just Alfie Mawson or bust for me. I think, I think we'd need a whole pod just to try to figure out how, how Fulham can, can create a, a back line or back six that's going to keep them in the Premier League. Yeah. But poor Ranieri, he just looked sad too. I was just watching him in this game and he, he just, they just kept going to him on the touchline. He just it looked pretty cold and rainy there. I guess he was sad about that too, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, being a Liverpool fan, I mean, we've seen uh, seen what can, what panic can do when it gets into the back line. I mean, it happens one week, it happens another week, and all of a sudden, like, you just feel like everything's going wrong. So Yeah, yeah. and then every time the ball gets into your half or outside your 18-yard box, you're just, like, gripping the seat, yeah. So you think they need to sign Van Dyke and um, Allison? Oh, I mean, even Lovren would, would do, <laughs> do wonders for them. Um, so four in a row for West Ham. First time in just under five years they've managed to string four wins in a row together. I'll tell you what... Tommy, stay in, stay in Brazil, mate. They're, they're doing fine without you here. Uh, whereas Fulham, um, this is their worst defensive record um, since the 1927-28 top flight, or, or in the history, I think, where they've conceded 42 in 17 games. Yeah, my, my mate got a uh, Fulham uh, season membership and he's seen some great football, but uh, not from Fulham, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> like convenient and great place to go and watch football if you're living in London. But uh, yeah, you're not, you're not seeing it from the home team, are you? Um, so three more games to go in this weekend, boys. A couple of previews. Um, first up, we've got Southampton and Arsenal. Um, how long does Hassan Hootel need to settle in? Do you think he's going to be sort of settling in against Arsenal? Arsenal are in pretty good nick, boys. I, I, I mean, I, I feel I feel bad for uh, Hassan Hootel. Is that how did I go with that? Hassan Hootel, or uh, you can Hasenhutl. call him the Austrian Klopp. <laughs> apparently, apparently he's known Austrian as the Austrian Klopp. Klopp. <laughs> oh, wow. He's going to have to work some wonders to, to hold on against Arsenal because they've been looking very sharp lately. Aubameyang just can't stop scoring. Yeah, you don't you don't see any other result other than an Arsenal win here. The, the only way I can see Arsenal messing this up is if they just, you know, they, 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 their own worst enemies, they they just don't finish their chances. They, they have an off day. Maybe it's like Spurs, they miss a lot of chances. I don't know, but I mean, surely Arsenal's got to win this. Yep. Uh, and then Brighton are hosting Chelsea. Uh, George, what do you what do you what do you think is going to happen here? Well, uh, fresh from the two uh, two in the uh, Europa League, I think <laughs> showing some. But uh, 
just just on that, Olivia Giroud's free kick, just quietly, pretty pretty special stuff. It was tasty. I, I don't think I've ever seen him take a free kick. And you wouldn't, right. And surely, as a Chelsea fan, you wouldn't be putting too much stock in their Europa League results, considering they're basically just giving the kids a run out, aren't they? Yeah, like, the kids oh, look good, but uh, um, yeah, I looked at their lineup, and you know, there's not too many first teamers in there. Well, that it'll are tra- be that are traveling, um, traveling in the Europa League. The thing I'm interested in in this game is Sari's lineup. Who, who's he going to play in the in in the number nine position? Will it be Hazard, Giroud? It looks like Murata might be injured, so that solves that problem, I guess. Um, so it, it might be, it could be a Giroud game. I think I'd like to see him against um against Brighton, and I think he'd he'd do well against them because it could be. A type of game where we, we need some muscle up front. But Giroud Sandstorm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have... That, that, that was very good. Uh, I, don't, uh, I don't expect Hazard will want to play in that central position again up front. He didn't seem too happy to be there. He's, he understood that it served a purpose against City, but yeah, that's just not his position, is it? Yeah. Um, uh, look, what I would say about Brighton, obviously very good at home, but they're, they're actually starting to look like a decent little mid-table side now, yeah, yeah. dare I say. So I, agree. Uh, I think I think Brighton will give them a game, but Chelsea will be too strong. Uh, Glenn Murray to score at home, or uh, what are we death, waging? Death taxes and uh, <laughs> yeah, Glenn Murray slotting yeah. penalties. Right, that's right. Um, yeah, final game of the round, uh, Liverpool-Manchester United. So, yeah, look, boys, we were saying off off the air before, a lot of people talking about a bloodbath here, particularly after United's stinky performance uh, in the uh, Champions League at home to Valencia. Um, but I actually think it's going to be a lot closer than that. United always get up for games against Liverpool. Um, and as we as we mentioned, Liverpool have got a bit of a defensive crisis going on at the moment. Um, I think Liverpool will still get up. Jesse, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I think with Liverpool uh, in the past, and especially the last few fixtures against United, we just have really got the better of us. And uh, if we, you know, if, if we're going to prove that we're a different kind of uh, engine this season, even with the injuries, we we have to win. Um, obviously to stay with City anyway. Um, I think that if uh, Liverpool uh, do win, I think it'll be a 1-0 or 2-0. I, I, don't, I don't think uh, it'll be any bigger than that. Yeah, George? Yeah, I can't see it being a blowout. I think Mourinho loves these type of games. You know, he's already been throwing a few barbs at Klopp, saying, you know, trophies count for everything. And, and, and so he started playing the mind game. So it's sort of that, that classic Mourinho where, you know, he's going to go there and try and get a result. You know, Fellaini sort of could be could be at the forefront of that. I don't know, but I couldn't tell you who man you were going to start. I look or... forward to him putting like five big blokes in the midfield and yeah. just clogging the place up. The, the thing that the, what makes this preview a little bit different to say last seasons, where we we went and watched the draw at Anfield, um, not at Anfield, but we watched the team um, last ninety year. minutes of my Nil- life that I'm suddenly getting oh, back. <laughs> an awful, awful game. But what makes this a bit different is the fact that Liverpool have proven that they can get through in, in really close games and change their formation. So they've changed their formation a bit to have a plan B. Yep. And secondly, United don't look as sure at the back. Um, that wasn't a pun, Luke Shaw, by the way. <laughs> I heard it come out. Yeah, <laughs> on that, De Gea hasn't had the, the greatest sort of season. And he, and not he, since he, the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was saving them a lot last year. And um, so with him not on top form, you know, it's exposing the, the back four and um, putting a lot of pressure on United, and they're, they're copying more goals as a result. So I think you're going to see Shirt and Shakiri start. Um, he's starting to build up a real chemistry with Salah, um, and you, you'd probably see Salah move back into the uh, centre-forward role that Klopp's been sort of trialling him in um, with, with pretty good success, I'd say, given that no one seems to be um, talking about it or mentioning it going wrong. So I think you probably will see something like that against United, Salah just buzzing around and... Um, Shakiri just dinking balls over to him. 
it's going to be interesting. But um, yeah, let's hope there's goals. But uh, as I think Jesse was saying, I think it's going to be it's going to be a classic one nil to Liverpool. But I think Mourinho will be hoping that they score early and then just try and hang on. Yeah, we'll be um, we'll be discussing that um, and all the rest of the uh, the rest of the round seventeen fixtures uh, next week on the pod as well as round eighteen. But uh, up next, we'll be talking A League round eight. I feel like George Costanza, Speedy, because I simply have no words. Referee says that'll do us. And the Melbourne victory make it six straight wins for the third time in club history and go top of the A-League ladder again. But the boos ring out in Brisbane. Okay, round eight of the A-League kicked off on Friday night with Brisbane Raw against Melbourne victory uh, going down 2-4. So... Goals in the 13th minute for Barbarousas uh, after Bowles got caught ball-watching, um, followed by a red card uh, to Eric Botiak, uh, who got a second yellow after a late challenge on Corey Brown, uh, and then the red mist just descended, and he was just face-palming Troisi and Toivonen uh, and just uh, kicking the advertising hoardings on the way off, and just an absolute meltdown. Pretty fired up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not before a penalty would be scored uh, after Taggart was taken down in the box. Taggart converts on his 100th uh, appearance in the A-League. Um, but the victory would quickly put uh, would quickly be put back in front by Toivonen. Um, then a uh, handball in the box by Bowles. Uh, a bit unlucky as the ball catches him, catches his arm at a bit of a weird angle, would be put away by Honda, um, making it 3-1 to the victory. Um Brisbane would actually get another goal here um, off the head of Toivonen after a dangerous ball into the area by Lopez, giving Brisbane a bit of a sniff, but that was pretty quickly taken away um, as the victory put the game beyond reach uh, just before halftime with Barbarouss getting his second off a well-worked set piece, but uh, you'd have to say the Brisbane defence looks like traffic cones here uh, and in a lot of the sort of set piece defending in this game, and that was just to halftime, and the scores would stay 4-2 to the victory. Uh, boys, great one for the neutral, but uh, pretty chaotic defending, you'd have to say. Just a classic A League game, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Red cards, goals, some some real some real highlights as well. Yeah, uh, first half had six goals, two pens, and and a red card. Absolute chaos. I, any VAR in there for bonus content, or are we uh, VAR oh, less? Look, there were. I think we we were VAR less for the most part, but there were a few things like the bowls handball and, and a couple mm. of other moments that people were saying um, that VAR should have been called into play. Um, look, even myself as a Raw fan, I didn't see too much wrong with the decisions. Uh, a lot, some people were complaining about the refereeing. I actually thought, um, you know, if you're complaining about the refereeing, you should be more worried about the performance you saw from your team out there. And I think obviously the game changed um, with uh, the Botiak send-off. Um, but I think really that just distracts from the recent run of poor performances from the Raw, who mm. have won one in their last eight now. One in, you know, we're up to round eight. They've won one game and sitting second bottom on the ladder. And they beat Melbourne City for that win, I believe. And that was a very out of sorts Melbourne City without um, without uh, their own prickly pair. So, um, yeah, look, no excuse for Botiak getting sent off at any time, um, you know, but particularly so early in the game. He definitely cost them the game. Um, and Aloisi's coming under quite a lot of heat um, at the moment um, from the Raw fans. This is probably the most active unrest that I've seen in, in quite a while. I've got, to, I've got to ask, though, I mean, putting it back on you, did you think you were going to beat the Melbourne victory? 
No, I don't think anyone realistic, and particularly with the form that Brisbane were in, but um, it's the performances I think that that are, they're getting people riled up. Obviously, the, the the sending off was you know changed the game in this instance, but I don't think even eleven v eleven that anyone thought that we would win that game. But you have to be putting in better performances than that. And we, there was it was a strong start for the first sort of fifteen minutes, and we've had like strong patches in other games. But you know, with the squad we've got on paper. Uh, like if you compare this to the the dad's army season last year um, with you know the older players that we had in and the injuries we had we were still getting results at that time even though it was quite a bad season um, results wise we were still getting some results they're just not here this season Aloisi was trying to sort of deflect and, and play it down a little bit in the press conference after the game saying hey look we oh look we didn't deserve to lose the other week against Adelaide and um, you know the the results will come. Like we're, we're playing well, it, it you know there's plenty of time to turn it around. But I actually think it's a lot more serious than that. I mean, probably not as serious as some people on the Brisbane Raw supporter groups are, <laughs> are making it out to be. But I do think it's I don't think it's quite serious, and it's just a shame that the Backries are, are never going to pay out Aloisi's contract. Um, and they're just you well, you're calling for him to be gone. Is oh, that what you, is that is that what you're saying here? I was I was pretty pro Aloisi at the start of the season after a lot of people were uh, were already you know sort of talking him down but I mean for me he's never really had a, an identity that he's imparted onto the team and a, and a particular style of football that you can see the team playing um, and and that's the really concerning thing for me I think as a neutral watching that game um, yeah as George mentioned I think uh, 4-2 is if somebody had said to you before the game that that was going to be the result to Melbourne victory I think you'd probably yeah, that's about right probably <laughs> say that's, as far as the form lines go purely from the form lines yeah. on the table where they're hitting so yeah, I mean, if, if you know, if it was the Phoenix, which we'll obviously get to shortly, um, if I'd been on the end of that sort of result, I'd, I wouldn't be too surprised, to be honest. Melbourne Victory just kind of on fire at the moment, as much as it pains me to say it. Yeah, and full credit to Melbourne Victory as well. Six in a row now for them. Um, they're a point at top of the table with Perth to play uh, later on this afternoon as we record on Sunday afternoon. Um, Brisbane, as I said, sitting ninth with just one win from eight. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the recent form is is pretty damning for Brisbane obviously going down um, 4-2 to the victory they lost away at Newcastle 2-0 the other week and then um, 2-1 to Adelaide when Mork had that sending off and earlier in the season they've also had draws with the Knicks and Mariners who in in any other season you'd expect them to beat so yeah it's just not really good enough for Brisbane at the moment they have uh, Wellington away um, next week, followed by Sydney away, followed by Newcastle away um, on the second Jan. So um, big fixtures coming yeah, up. Some big fixtures on the road, and and yeah, just well, just the heat need is going to get, get something up. Over. I think oh, it seems like a beautiful segue to to Wellington Phoenix, mate. Mate, an informed Wellington Phoenix. <laughs> talk talk us through it. Yeah, well, back to back wins, which I I don't know the stats, but I, I can't remember the last time I could say that about the Wellington Phoenix. And uh, naturally, I've come out of the cave now that they've got a couple of wins, but. Um, yeah, the, the ninth minute, Louis Fenton scored um, after a, after a powerful uh, Mandy shot was um, uh, parried out by Pierce, and he just tapped it in. So that was a really good start. You'd have to say, uh, I've seen a lot of these parries in the past couple of weeks um, in, in the Premier League as well, but um, a lot of them in the A League. The key, the keepers I find aren't really doing a lot. Like you should be, like, you should be sort of parrying them to the side, shouldn't you? Yeah. Not just like in Technique. front of an on 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 rushing striker. Yeah, yeah, I think they're they're more worried about saving it. Yeah, where it's going. So. Yeah, you're right. In the uh, Wanderers game last week, that happened as well. Didn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it was pre- pretty poor keeping, I guess. At, at the end of the day, he didn't he didn't put it away, and um, it was 
very easy goal for Louis Fenton. Um, 30th minute, Krishna had a good chance. Um, he sort of put on the afterburners and sped away, but um, couldn't finish it. But uh, in the 33rd minute, uh, Taylor had a goal disallowed for offside, but shortly afterwards, uh, Singh scored off a Roy Krishna square pass. And they were Merry up. Krishnas. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Just a gift. <laughs> oh, geez, I wish I thought of that. Um, <laughs> once again, the uh, the Phoenix have done the business before half time. Um, in the second half, a couple of uh, moments ahead, Clisby um, had a good shot from a free kick that was um, deflected away. Um, Cheval had a long range chance, but I mean the revolution, um, as I heard in the commentary, uh, continues for the the Phoenix. Um, Again, hard to measure um, how significant this is because, I mean, obviously last week was a big win, but, I mean, the Mariners, I mean, boys, uh, I said it last week and I'll say it again, they, um, I mean, they are the only thing between, obviously, the raw and, and the bottom at the moment. And to be honest, I, I can't see the Mariners, um, how are they going to turn this around? Well, it doesn't help that Big Ross is injured and back in the UK for a few weeks as well. Yeah, so. after a few clickbaity headlines were going around about him um, midweek making out as if he'd left the club, but actually he's just gone back to get che- checked out by their specialists. Um, it was almost as alarmist as uh, me carrying on about the FFA sending their doctors over to see Aaron Moy. But um, yeah, look, it, uh, f- the word from the club is that he'll he'll hopefully be back for their New Year's fixture against Perth Glory. So it doesn't seem like he's he's actually going to be out for that long. Um, and they've also got Tommy Orr, who wasn't in the squad this week, um, but apparently he's running around at training. So they're hope- oh, hopeful, they're hopeful to have yeah. him back soon too. Um, but yeah, it's um, they're they're looking pretty dog shit at the moment, the Mariners. Yeah, I, I can't add anything else to that. I, I I just they're just not up up to scratch. Gotta say at the moment. And uh, well done to the Knicks for a, a few wins on the trot now. So that's good. But were you, were you alarmed at all, Jesse, at the, the comments from the FFA um, on on the future of Wellington Phoenix? They were pretty cagey about them ticking enough boxes and it might be that they're, they're sort of hanging on. Well, well the Phoenix, as, you know, as a Phoenix fan, you're pretty much... Uh, there's no promotion relegation, obviously, with the A-League, but I mean... As a Phoenix fan, it's kind of an exception because you basically feel like you could be relegated any year and that's dissolved and completely taken out of the comps. So pretty used to that um, every season feels like the last, to be honest. And I, to be fair, um, I'm not going to completely defend the Knicks. And um, you, you have to, with The Warriors and the Rugby League have a similar issue where they've, they've never won uh, the title. They haven't really been able to regain the form of the first couple of years. Um, that they had where they managed to get into the finals. Um, so they're constantly having to justify their place in the competition. And, um, yeah, I mean, with any expansion, obviously the heat goes back on the Phoenix to put a good showing in the season. Otherwise, they, they might actually see the door. Yeah, and that was actually mentioned in the um, the press conference um, at, at, expansion, at the expansion announcement the other day with one of the journalists <clears throat> asking about Knicks, the, the Knicks' future and saying, look, if, if the Knicks had dropped out of the comp, is there a contingency? Do you have another sort of team ready to go to come in? And, and I, I was impressed with the way that the board dealt with this question. They sort of said, oh, look, that's pretty pretty disrespectful to sort of, um, you know, talk about that at this time. But I sort of did get the inference that he that, that this is something the board has, in fact, thought yeah. of and they do, in fact, have a contingency for. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's very much watch and wait at the moment for the Knicks. Um, moving on then to uh, Western Sydney um, and Sydney. The Sydney Derby, another one uh, George played out in um, 
some some pretty wild weather. Well, the the, the game was delayed. I think a half hour, forty minutes, due to uh, the threat of lightning. So uh, hanging out, hanging over the field. But um, I think I touched on this game a little bit earlier. Western Sydney got off to a really good start. Riera scoring in the twenty third, and they were looking very dangerous. Like um, down the flanks, um, really, Kamau was getting in some dangerous areas. Bacchus was playing very well, and, and they were getting balls balls behind the Sydney defence. Um, and then obviously Janjetovic, uh, um, you know, had his moment and, and, and the tide really turned. So, and I think what really killed the Wanderers was Alex Brosk's goal in, in the, the in injury time in the first half. So right, right before, you know, Babel was going to get the, get them in the, in the change rooms and sort of re reevaluate where they were at at one nil. It was one, one. And then, um, not not much longer into the second half, um, Sam De Jong coming back from his injury uh, got on the end of a, a ball at the edge of the box and, and very cool finish this one. Yeah, drilled it in and, and that was pretty much game over for for, for mine. I think that they struggled uh, uh, after that and Sydney killed them off in the 81st when Trat scored. Uh, but um, Sydney going forward, they've had a few defensive injuries now, so it'll be interesting to see um, how they how they cover at the back um, going forward because um, yeah, starting to starting to have the injuries piling up especially in their defence. But um, for the Wanderers, you know, they, they need to sort of turn the tide a little bit and, and a win in the derby would have done that. So back to the drawing board for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, you just can't believe how much Western Sydney just shut the bed in this game with Jan Jedovic just having an absolute brain snap to come out and, um, yeah, and, and, and throwing the poor uh, Nizic into a derby from the 29th when, it, when you really needed to hang on and Sydney are just going to be yeah, coming at you with everything. really lit up. And, yeah. And he, he made a couple of saves and was... But that, they were really peppering his goal. And, and the one that sort of went to Brosk was similar. A parry um, from a save and straight to Brosk. And he, he was first first man there to tap it in. So, yeah. So, yeah, Sydney, um, Sydney had a really good game I thought in this one but I think Western Sydney made them look very very good um, one one stat in particular that stood out to me was um, Josh Brillante um, completed 128 passes in this game um, whereas That's Jorginho territory that isn't is it? Jorginho territory <laughs> whereas the entire Western Sydney team completed 191 so if that gives you any indication um, as to the sort of state of the quality of the two teams in this game then yeah I think uh, yeah, yeah, worrying for Western Sydney. They just need a reset and well, I mean, go it, again. It's like you said in the last pod. I mean, in true A-League fashion, I mean, a fortnight ago they were in crisis and then a week ago they were, they were back. Um, are they back in crisis, boys? Yeah, well, with a performance like that, yeah, you'd, you'd have to think so, wouldn't you? But, um, yeah. Lucky there's a few worse teams in the A-League. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like... Brisbane Raw, unfortunately. Um, two more games to go this weekend, boys, kicking off this afternoon and then um, later on this evening. Um, one is Newcastle uh, hosting Perth. Um, and, um, yeah, this is this is an interesting one. Uh, Newcastle have had, had a good run um, at home this season. Um, their, their sort of makeshift striker, uh, Kane Shepard, who's come up from the uh, NPL, who... Um, more than a game zone demo has been bigging up for a while and managed to get a goal uh, last week against the Raw. Um, so uh, keep an eye on him. Um, and uh, Roy Donovan has uh, a week left on his 10-game um, suspension that he, he racked up at the end of last season. So, um, yeah, Newcastle got the cavalry coming back, you'd say, but um, Perth, are, Perth are really flying high. Um, how do you see this one going? 
Um, I think Newcastle at home are a, a different proposition to Newcastle away. So they're, they're, they're automatically stronger, I think, at home. They play pretty well. They're pretty solid. Um, but uh, I've been really impressed with Economides at Perth. Like he, he's, he's looking really, really good. And I think Perth, will, Perth probably need to keep winning to maintain that pressure on, on victory. And, and um, I think that they would see Newcastle as a, a winnable game. So I, I'm, I've got the, you know, I think Perth will, Perth will come away with a win. I just like the way they do it. Popovich has drilled them pretty well, so... Well, they've got a great record um, at McDonald Jones, actually. The glory I was just reading. Um, in their last 10 visits, they've won six and drawn four. So they're undefeated um, at Newcastle's home pitch. So It seems bizarre, though. This is the same Newcastle we're talking about, you know, finalists. <laughs> and that you picked last season to, to finish up there. Um, and they're down in, well, we've got sixth place at the moment. So, oh, sorry, seventh place. So... Um, yeah, you're saying some cavalry's coming back, so you expect those results to turn around? or Yeah, and I think they are still playing good football this season. Obviously, it's been a little bit disjointed um, with with some new players coming in and, and not having um, Roy O'Donovan uh, really hurts them as well. But I've been really impressed with Vargas so far. I think he's been um, really, really great to have him. They, they did have him last season, but they didn't get much so, out of him because yeah, he was injured for half of back, the season. Yeah. So, um, And it looks like uh, the new Brazilian Jair... Uh, has um, like gelled in well as well. He's contributing, got on the score sheet the other week as well. So, um, yeah, good signs for Newcastle. But, um, yeah, they're facing a Perth team who are, who are likely going to be challenging for the title this season. So don't like, um, don't like Newcastle's chances uh, this week. Um, final game of the round, uh, Adelaide are hosting City. George, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I'm a little worried for Melbourne City. In, in against Adelaide, especially away from home. Um, Adelaide have looked pretty sharp. I, I saw them live in the FFA Cup and I, I liked I liked sort of how they were shaping up and they've sort of kicked on throughout the season. Uh, Halloran's a good good get from them and he's been playing pretty well. And Surprising. Yeah. Very surprising. I, I know, and, and from City's perspective, I know they got the win against uh, Newcastle, um, but I'm still not... You know, the, the, the forward line worries me... You know, you're putting a lot of pressure on Lockie Wales and um, Riley McGree coming through from midfield. So th- uh, that would be my concern in relation to City goals, really. I think that's that's going to be an issue. And, and we know Fornaroli's not in the squad again. So uh, I think City will struggle to score. So that, that that's sort of my takeaway. And, and I think Adelaide are good for one or two at home. So that that's where I sort of see the game. Yeah, we put out a poll uh, on Twitter and Facebook this week. Um, about the first or who people who listeners thought would be the first A League manager uh, sacked uh, Aloisi or Joyce and um, yeah actually it, it was during the um, Brisbane game so probably not the the best times in in terms of a, a scientific result but um, Aloisi as you might uh, expect took out both of those um, but Joyce definitely did get some votes as well George do you see him uh, lasting the season Yeah I actually do I I, I just don't see City as Coach Sackers, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not, and they've, they've, they've put out some bloke to get training out here and to develop youth and and do a certain job at the club, and it looks like he's still doing that job, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and they're still getting results. And the only thing I could see that might, like, I mean, it looks like I think Fornaroli's gone. I don't think he'll play again for the club. But I just don't think you, Joyce is the kind of guy that you cross. Um, what happens to him now? Does he go to another A League club, or is he is he does he sort of jet back off overseas? 
I think the club said they wouldn't release him to another A-League club. Yeah. And I know Sydney was sniffing around, mm. so I don't think they will do that. I think they'll let him go overseas and come to some sort of... He'll walk into any other A-League team starting 11. You'd yeah, think. yeah, but yeah, that's, that's what I think. I don't think they'll do that. I think yeah. Joyce will get his way. And the, the the one thing I would say about City is, you know, traditionally they've, they've been out there and they've attempted to play good football mm. and the results haven't come all the time. But people, people are, always love when... They, they attack and they, they, they you know, they've, they've traditionally been, you know, based on that Dutch system, uh, you know, flying wingers and scoring goals and entertaining football. And that's the only thing I can see that will um, put the pressure on Joyce, especially we've got the we've got the derby coming up on the 22nd as well. So They seem to have a good record against um, Adelaide, just looking at the last results since 2016, 2-1 to Melbourne City. Um, they lost against Adelaide the following fixture, but from there, 1-0 Melbourne. Um, you've got 2-0 against Adelaide, you've got 5-0 against Adelaide, and then the last one was a draw 1-1. So it's not a bad record against uh, Adelaide, Melbourne City. Yeah, Adelaide have got a good record at home, um, having only lost one out of their last 10 fixtures at Coopers. So, um, And yeah, with, with City weekend, uh, I think you'd, you'd still expect Adelaide to get the business done. But um, yeah, there, there's still a bit of quality in that City squad. It's just such a shame that so much of their, what they do going forward revolved around Fornaroli and now they're having to readjust and... And yeah, on the fly, try well, and make I mean, a focal point yeah. out of out of Lockie Wales halfway through a season. You know, without sort of yeah preseason to get that together, it's just um, yeah, it's not not a great position to be in. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I probably see Adelaide getting up here. If they don't, they'll remain uh, equal on points with the Wellington Phoenix. Just note that, boys. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. You. We'll see you next week, Jesse, for the the Knicks wrap up. <laughs> well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for listening in this week. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching More Than A Game Podcast. And make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts as we attempt to keep up with all the football over the Christmas period. Next week on the show, match day 18 of the Premier League and round 9 of the A-League. Until then, enjoy the football. Enjoy the football.